Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, uh, editor of stillcurtain.com, and joining me as always is contributor Shane Kubis. Mike Tomlin is coming back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. His words, not the words of the organization, although I would expect that to be coming soon. We're going to talk yeah. about that uh, and whether or not this is the right decision. I know that Tomlin wants to be here. We're going to talk about the Steelers' loss to the Bills. Obviously, they've been eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, and what this team can do to get back on track in 2024, the biggest offseason changes that they need to make. Uh, but let's start with that news this week. Shane, let's talk about the Steelers' uh, wild card loss to the Bills. Obviously, they fell 31 to 17 in this game. I mean, the Steelers have a tendency of doing this now. What's five playoff games in a row? They've been outscored 66 to nothing in the first quarter of those games. In this game, they got down 21 nothing. Uh, they were fortunate to get that block field goal. They they went down, and, and at one point, Shane, it was a twenty four to seventeen game. I was like, "This is within striking distance. There's a shot here," and their defense just could not get the Bills off the field. Ran down their throats. Uh, essentially, sat on the clock there, and that's all she wrote. Um, let, let's just start by sharing your thoughts on this game. Is this how you thought the uh, the Steelers versus Bills uh, wild card game would go? Especially once it got moved, absolutely, unfortunately. This is kind of the outcome that was expected. And and that's part of why, like, I understand there's a lot of disappointment here. I understand there's a lot of reasons to be upset about the state of this team. But this is exactly how this game was projected to go from the, from the start, right? Like, we're not a good matchup for this team. Like, we're not – we don't match up with them talent-wise, especially with the health of the defense being an issue in the middle – like there's just there was too much to overcome realistically. I think the weather would have helped had we been able to play, had it been safe enough to, to have the game the day before, but it still would have been tough. And the, and the fact that we did make it a little bit close at one point, that it wasn't a complete and utter disgrace. I mean, especially compared to the other wildcard game, somehow we were the second closest <laughs> game on wildcard weekend. So, you know, I guess that's a badge of honor technically. I don't know, but it's just – this is how it was supposed to go, right? We don't have the firepower mm -hmm. offensively. The defense was lacking a lot of guys in the middle and the guys that were out there were either, some of them were playing banged up. And, you know, we heard Cam Hayward talk about how he hasn't really been fully healthy since the start of the season. Like it, it just wasn't going to work out. Yeah. A rough game all around. I mean, anytime you start in a, in a, in a 21 to nothing hole like that, like it it's all really hard. is lost. It's and really I feel hard. like to get out of that, is is nearly impossible especially if you're missing your best player i mean the quarterback situation kind of all year was a little bit of a debacle and so there's a reason why the steelers were 10 point underdogs the biggest underdog of any team this week now obviously it didn't end that way like you said the second closest game that's remarkable that this <laughs> 30 31 to 17 contest was the second closest game and it's not because these teams are so terribly unbalanced. There were three upsets this week in terms of Vegas odds. There were three upset against mm -hmm. uh, uh, victories by the Buccaneers, the Texans and the Packers. The Packers had that 42 point outing against Dallas Cowboys in their defense. And so there were some, certainly some interesting games, uh, but only one close game, the Rams and lions game Yeah, uh, over the, over wildcard weekend, this loss stings uh, Shane, but like you and I said, it's not unexpected. We kind of, we kind of figured the Steelers would get bounced. In fact, that's what we wrote. In our early predictions, I mean, yeah. all the way back when you can say uh, Steelers are either an eight in a nine and eight or a ten and seven team. They're they're if they make the playoffs, they'll they'll probably be eliminated in the first round, and that's exactly what we saw. Just not lasting enough change, uh, and we can kind of see this was a bit of a fraudulent team from the beginning uh, in terms of like their stats. I mean, 
they they were they were outgained in terms of points per game. They 17 to 19, and they were outgained in yardage by 40 yards a game and in yards per play by a half a yard per play. And so you look at everything across the board. I think this this team was playing above expectation in, in comparison to where they were and where all the numbers say that they are. Yeah, the underlying. Uh, and it's not surprising yeah. to, to see them go on the road against Josh Allen and company and not come away victorious in this one. Uh, any other thoughts you want to share from that loss, Shane? I mean, I will say, like, although Mason had some bad moments, I think he acquitted himself rather well. I think that yeah. the version of him that we've seen over the last four games could be the version that he is. Like, I don't know if this is necessarily mm-hmm. fluky at this point. Um, you know, obviously the big plays are going to be hit or miss because that's really about the players more than him. But I think that he's definitely earned himself a, a long-term gig in the NFL in some capacity, whether it's with us or someone else as a backup. So good for him. You know, the players, they, they did their best, I really think. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the tackling issue was, was certainly not great. But for the most part, I think that they did give their best effort. They're just not as talented as this team. Yeah, I mean, Rudolph, he had a couple of plays that were nearly made. Like you talk about mm-hmm. the the pass in the end zone to George Pickens that, that hit him in the hand. Uh, would have been a difficult catch, but not a terrible ball. And then the other one to Pickens uh, over the middle of the field in the red zone that kind of just went through Pickens' hands again. I don't really know mm-hmm. what happened there. It was good coverage, but yeah. I mean, I don't think that he played the worst game. I mean, you look at the box score numbers, 5.9 yards in attempt. If I would tell you that, that uh, Rudolph is going to have 5.9 yards of attempt and throw an interception in this game. I, I would say there's no chance Steelers are winning and they didn't. Right. right. But if you look at, uh, if you if watch the film in this game, I think that he did. I would say it this way, Shane, as well as you could expect a quarterback in his particular situation to do, he right. only became the starter in, in week 15 and was asked to take on a bigger role than he anticipated. I mean, this guy was getting his commercial real estate license a little bit ago. And so yeah. I do think he did enough to, revamp his career and stick around in the league for several more years uh, because of what he did down the stretch there. So hats off to him. Uh, Obviously the Steelers fell short though. In the end, there were some questionable things, some officiating. uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, but still, I mean, it it wouldn't have made the difference in the game. And I won't be very clear about that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a fan that's sitting here and arguing and say, man, if only officiating would have went our way, the Steelers get this win. No, the Steelers were going to lose this game either way. Uh, there were some questionable calls like there is in, in pretty much every game. And you can argue that uh, if TJ Watts presence might've been able to make a difference, perhaps it, it draws that line a little bit closer, but again, uh, I still can't say the Steelers would have been favored with TJ Watt. Even when they were at that, that was the one time that I thought, man, you could really use Watt right about now is that when Steelers uh, were down just a touchdown and say, man, we got to get the bills offense. And Josh, that, that's, when he, that's when he, that's when he, those are the situation yeah. he thrives and he can say, all right, yeah. maybe what could get a forced fumble or something right now, a strip sack. Uh, obviously that didn't happen. And so uh, here we are, we're starting the off season early, uh, later than most, but still earlier than we would have liked to. And I guess if there's one positive thing to come out of this, Shane, uh, the Steelers, because the wild card round had three upsets, the Steelers moved back up in the draft order three more spots. So I guess that's a little bit encouraging of nothing else. They were bit. sitting at 23 before. They're going to be at pick 20. Uh, I mean, is what it is. It, you're splitting hairs here. But every bit of draft capital matters, especially if they ultimately end up being in the market for a quarterback. I don't know right. if they will or not. Uh, yeah. But something worth noting there. Uh, let's talk about some of the other things from the aftermath of this game here. Najee Harris, Najee Harris had some comments. Uh that were interesting that I thought about calling for in-house changes. He's like, we've got to do something else. And he used the word in-house change uh, a couple times there 
uh, during his post-game press conference. And what do you make of that? What do you think the changes are here that he's referring to? Uh, personally, just based on the comments throughout the season from him and other players, I think it's the accountability coming from above and not amongst the players. Because something that's been talked about a lot is that Tomlin has allowed his players, his veteran players, to kind of handle the locker room, to kind of handle themselves, like allow the players to be players, right? Be them, be people. He doesn't want to have to police them or be accountable for them all the time because he wants them to have a sense of self-accountability, which I think is great yeah. ultimately. Like I think it's a great skill that every player should have, especially in this league where sometimes it isn't even capable of coming from above you, right? Like sometimes teams just are a mess and you have to watch out for yourself and you have to police yourself. I think the problem is that really worked when we had those veteran Steelers teams in the early to like mid 2010s and the late yeah. 2000s. Like those guys didn't have to have any other voice besides kind of their own collective, right? Like Tomlin was the coach, but he allowed them to just kind of do what they needed to do. Now I don't think there's enough of those guys in that locker room to influence everybody else to do the same thing. And I think Najee sees that. I think he sees it with guys like Pickens, who again, super talented, but has some issues. Deontay has had some of that in the past too. Like some of these guys just, they don't, they're not veterans enough to understand mm. like how to do that for yourself. And I think I know that Tom is capable of, of bringing, not bringing the hammer down per se, but like being accountable, like being accountable for these guys and making them accountable. And I think Najee sees that. And I think other guys have said it too, that it's time for him to kind of do more of that. And just the mm. staff in general doing more of that than maybe they've had to in the past. Yeah, based on Najee's comments, for sure. We've heard it from other players. We've heard it from Tomlin say that that's kind of how he runs things there. Yes. And if that's the case, though, Quinn, Shane, I would question, why are we drafting a guy like George Pickens then? Why are we drafting a guy who needs that accountability and needs to be doing these things? And so I, I feel like there there needs to be the, the proper balance there. I'm not sure if the Steelers have it. Uh, Najee doesn't seem to think so, and that's why I, I think he's referring to some of these changes. And again, we, we're speculating about what his thoughts are exactly. He didn't get into specifics and, right. and nor that would he. That just makes he. the most sense, yeah. Yeah, and so because the Steelers have already had some surface level changes, some things, I mean, they got rid of Matt Canada. That was one of the changes <laughs> and yet he's still yeah. talking about more in-house changes. And so I do find those comments interesting. I think we'll learn more about what some of those changes could be here uh, pretty soon. And, and Shane, I want to talk about Mike Tomlin after the game. He was furious. I mean, it, it was mm -hmm. Brooke Pryor of ESPN who asked yeah. him. Uh, it didn't even get to finish her question. Just started by started her question by saying, "Tomlin, you've got a year left on your contract." And boom, he was bolded. He he was he was to the door. Didn't want to hear anything about that after that loss to the Bills. And you could just tell the disgust on his face uh, from being asked about his contract situation and knowing where that question was leading. Talking about his future with the team, he didn't want any part of that. You go look at other people like Nick Sirianni. He was asked a very similar question, and I think that he gave a very professional response for it. I just want to know what you think, Shane. Was that the proper response for Tomlin? Should he have stuck? Should he have stayed there and gave a response to that question, even if it was like a harsh one? Uh, was he right to kind of just bold after that? So here's my issue: is that I I agree that the best thing for a coach to do in these situations. Because unfortunately, whether you like it or not, part of the job is handling the media and to answer mm -hmm. questions. And again, you're never obligated to give them the answer they want or the answer they're trying yeah. to get from you. But I think him responding that way, again, this is a guy that understands his position right now. It's been seven years since they've won a playoff game. He's frustrated. I'm sure the rest of the team is frustrated. 
he doesn't want to hear immediately after this game about his contract situation because that's not what he's worried about right now. Clearly, he he would want to he would have wanted to talk about the game, right? Because that's just what happened. And I think the fact that she asked that question or tried to, I personally don't like that the question was asked at the time mm-hmm. because we kind of know like all the rumors have been swirling. He's heard them, I'm sure probably why he addressed the team not long after that to tell them that he's coming back because he knows these rumors are out there. Like, I think he understood that like she was asking that because of those rumors. Right. And I'm never going to tell a guy like, Oh, if you're frustrated, you should just have to sit there and deal with it. Like it's his prerogative. If he didn't want to answer that question, if that was what he was, if he was done with it then he can do that. Right. I would have liked him to answer it and and sat there and dealt with it just because I think that's the best thing to do. As you said, Sierrani did it now. Granted, he he's got some stuff that he, he has to kind of defend himself really hard yeah. right now, but still like, I think that again, the question don't love it, but it's also her job. And she felt that she needed to ask that question. Um, it's not like she's like, well, if she was like, well, it's a good thing. You're caught. Con- like if she would have been like, really like that would have meant messed up. <laughs> I don't understand. But like, again, yeah. I, I don't necessarily blame him. Cause I can't, I can't say that I wouldn't also want to do the same thing if I was in his position. But I also agree that he probably should have just let it slide and, and answered the question. Yeah, I think there was a more professional way to go about yeah. it, obviously, instead of kind of like the, the eye roll thing and then bolt to the door. And uh, even if he would have just said next question, like right, uh, something as simple as that, or I don't want to get into that right now. Uh, I think that we be there'd be a lot less talk about it in the media mm-hmm. right now if right. he would have responded right. a different way. And so that uh, is a both ways thing. I, I think that I, there obviously there were I, I looked at the comments on Twitter and there are a lot of people that were really upset. Yeah. What Pryor had to say uh, in phrasing her question, even just the beginning of the question uh, that way, they didn't think that that was fair. They shouldn't be doing that after the game. Uh, but then there was those uh, former beat writers and people in the media that were coming to her defense as well and saying, this is perfectly fair. We've got a right to ask this question. Uh, it's it's not the first time it's, it's happened. And so I can, I can truly see it both ways. I do think that it probably should have been at the next uh, media session. It probably wasn't, it probably wasn't the right time. But in Tomlin, it, for Tomlin as well, probably not the right response either. Um, Honestly, we've got a lot. Yeah, go uh, ahead, Shane. Real quick on that, I think what really does bug me is, like you said, the way the question was phrased to start. I really think if she wanted to get to the crux of the issue of the rumors and whether or not there was an extension looming or whatever the situation is, if she would have simply said, you know. Coach, there's been a lot of talk, rumors recently about whether or not you may be looking to step away or just, you know, maybe not be the coach of this team next year. Do you have anything that you have to say about that? Do you have any comment on that? I think even just asking it that way may have allowed him to, to be able to take the, the reins of that and be like, okay, well, let me tell you, right? Like that, I think, would have helped her get the answer she wanted, ultimately, but again, I'm not in the media. I'm not going to tell her how to do her job. That's not what I do exactly. I don't. I don't interview people in that way. So like, it is up to her to answer to ask the questions she wants to ask. So, yeah, and maybe, and I don't know. I mean, even even phrasing it that way, Shane, would he have still been been kind of upset with maybe uh, just a question about the future? I don't really know. I mean, but I, I agree. If she would approach it differently, perhaps there's a different outcome it's there. Possible. Possible. Uh, he's what we do know is he's going to get asked about that. Oh, this yeah. week and and he said now that that he made it clear and so we're going to talk about Tomlin in just a second. Yeah. Uh, the Still Curtain podcast is running a deposit match promotion up to one hundred dollars for any new Sleeper Daily Fantasy user. Make sure you use the code Fansided Two when signing up to receive your deposit match. 
please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. All right, and if you guys are joining us here in the live chat, please ask your questions in the chat. Yes, Shane and I would love do. to get to those uh, pertaining to Mike Tomlin, the future of the team, where they should go in the draft, whatever. We'll kind of shoot the breeze here as we continue on our discussion topics. And let's talk about Mike Tomlin. Uh, just recently, Shane, uh, uh, last evening, it was Tuesday evening, Tomlin came out and said that he is staying with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has every intention to, paraphrasing, of course, every intention to stay and coach the Pittsburgh Steelers. In 2024, we know where he stands right now. He doesn't want anything else, and it's probably why he got so upset at that yeah. question because he already had his mind made up. He's coming back, and he's going to try to fix things. What do you make of this? I mean, I'm not surprised, obviously, to see Tomlin respond the way he did. In fact, I expected nothing less, really. Um, is, is this what you expected of him? I did. I mean, the rumors were, were certainly there, and I think that they were – uh, there were enough people saying it that it, it made you think that maybe there was some truth to it, right? That at least he had had conversations with people about whether it was a good time to to step aside, even if it was not permanent just for a while, you know, from coaching. But I think, honestly, weirdly enough, the frustration and this continued lack of playoff success, I think, is part of why he probably is back and plans to be back. I think he wants to break through this this drought that they're in. I think he wants to be a part of why they do it too. And I think obviously they're going to let him do that. I think that that this is something where it's not just oh, you know, I'm I'm coming back and you know the team doesn't have a say. Like obviously they have a say, but I don't think there's any chance they were firing him. I think there's a chance that they work together on some other resolution possibly if he didn't want to coach this team in 2024, but now that he said that he is, again, I'm not surprised that that's the case. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think anybody should be surprised at it. Even with the rumors, I thought there mm -hmm. was a chance. I will say that because we've heard enough now. We've seen where this team has been has been heading, and it wouldn't be the most unusual thing. We saw we saw Sean Payton do something similar. And the fact that even Schefter was talking about it, saying, or perhaps he he would step away. Um, I, I think that. I think that that possibility was there. I still thought that he was coming back. Now the question becomes, Shane, does Art need to step in now? Does Art Rooney too need to step in now? Does the front office, do they need to have a, a meeting say, all right, look, we need to talk about the direction of this team. Is Tomlin coming back? What's in the best interest for this team? And I know you'll get people on both ends of the, ends of the spectrum here mm -hmm. just really hard, one way or the other. Of course, he is a Super Bowl winning quarterback or no, there's no, been no success. I tend to be a little bit more in the middle here, but I still, I, I feel, I feel like we need to talk about the elephant in the room here. And that is the lack of postseason success. I mean, this team now seven year drought without a playoff win, 23 other teams have had more playoff success during that span. That's a lot of teams in the, in the last 13 years. Now the Steelers have three playoff wins in the last 13 years. That is one of the lower marks in the NFL. I believe that there's 18 teams above them in that span as well. And some have just crushed them out of the water. Like the Patriots have 16 playoff wins. The Chiefs yeah. have 13 teams with 11, nine, eight, and just teams with significantly more. And some of those teams are of coaches who just lost their job. Like Pete Carroll, for example, the Seahawks have nine playoff wins in that same 13 year span where the Steelers have three and Pete Carroll is now out of a job. And, and you could say, Oh, he, he left on his own terms. No, I mean, these are mutual no. partings here. Yeah, the, he, the Seahawks yeah. met with Carroll, the Patriots met with Belichick. They wanted to go a different direction. And by the way, the Patriots have won a Super Bowl 
more recently than the Steelers have won a playoff game, if, yeah. if that puts it into perspective for you. And so, and it's Bill Belichick we're talking about here. I know he's going to be a 72 year old guy uh, this this year, but somebody's going to want him. This is the most winning coach in, in NFL history. And so, is Tomlin at that level? I think honestly, I think as a comparison wise, you can compare him to Pete Carroll because he's got the Super Bowl win. He's got playoff success, albeit Carroll has more recent success and a much better playoff record than what Tomlin has. And so I think those things need to be taken into account as well. Why is Tomlin's job so untouchable? Why is he this this coach who who now we we can't even dare mention his name about being removed from this position when other guys who have more postseason success have already been removed from that? Shane, so I, I yeah. want to get your thoughts on, on where this is heading and what you think about all this. It's it's really interesting because I think obviously when you look at it the way you did, and I think it's totally fair to look at it the way you did, it makes a lot of sense to compare the situations and go, well, you know, this guy loses his job and this guy, you know, why is why is Tomlin not able to lose his job? Well, I will say the situations do get a little different if you dig into it. With Pete Carroll in particular, I do think it was simply, you know, he is getting up there in age. I think they simply just want to do something different, right? I think they want a different voice there because they have plateaued a little bit over the last couple of years. Now, obviously, the Steelers have plateaued as well in their own special way. But again, I think it's more about the direction that the team generally wants to go, and that's not in the direction that they think Carroll can take them at his age, right? And with Belichick, it's they bottomed out, right? They finally bottomed out. And I think that's the key thing is I think the Steelers, from their perspective, they don't want to change their direction in terms of who's calling the shots, and they haven't bottomed out, right? Like one, neither of those two things have happened. I think until one of those two things happen, he pretty much is probably going to have a safe job. And again, whether you agree with that or not is kind of irrelevant in this situation. I think it's totally fair to argue that mm -hmm. it should be something that they consider to do as far as moving off of him in some capacity, you know, taking either some control away or whatever it is, right? Something changing with his status with the team. I, I'm not going to argue with anybody who says that there's reasons for that. But in terms of why it hasn't happened, I do think it's simply that they haven't bottomed out and they don't want to change direction. And until those things happen, he's probably going to be the coach here. Yeah, I think that's the exact reason why he's going to end up coming back in 2024. Because, again, you could look at the other side of the argument there. Uh, 17 straight seasons without a losing record. I mean, that means something. Whether you like it or not, yeah. it means something to the Roonies. It means something to the organization. Uh, the consistency. And it's, it's, it's team, yeah, the consistency. They're never bad enough. Having said that, they have plateaued. In, yeah. For seven years now, they have plateaued as a team that is 500 or slightly above 500 and just bounced from the playoffs every time. If they do make it in those appearances, they've been pretty humiliated. Uh, these last four playoff games. Now the, this one, the Browns game, the chiefs game, and then go back to the, the start. They had against the Jaguars game before they had to fight back. Like every one of those games, they got them. They dug themselves a big hole early on. It's why they, in the last four or five playoff games, they're, they're uh, 66 to nothing outscored in the first quarter. And so, it's just not good enough in terms of that anymore. And so I do think that even with the regular season record, as impressive it is as it is, Shane, the fact that 18 other teams have had more playoff wins in the last decade or decade, 12, 13 years, I should say, to be exact, the last 13 years, there's been 18 other teams that have more playoff wins. Uh, in in the last seven years, I mean, the Steel, there's been 23 other teams that have more had more playoff wins. And and to kind of put this into further perspective, Shane, uh, the Steelers uh, since 2011 has have been as successful, excuse me, as the Panthers, the
the Jaguars and the Titans in the playoffs. Also the Dallas Cowboys who are very under a very underachieving team too, which is again, why they're probably getting rid of Mike McCarthy uh, this off season. But uh, it just, there's a lot of interesting things because I, I feel like in, in my mind, Shane, it's like my, my mindset has always been postseason success, build a Super Bowl roster, get yourself back to the Super Bowl. Nothing else matters. I don't care if you, if you get nine, 10 or 11 wins mm-hmm. every single year, if you are not having postseason success, what is this all about? Are we just trying to fill seats and get an entertaining season? Or are we trying to build the next dynasty? And so I feel like if you look at some of those teams at the top, they're just, they're crushing in terms of, their playoff wins right now. And even they are at risk of losing their coaches. And I want to go back to the Nick Sirianni example. The Eagles were 14 and three last year. They were number one in every single category, most offense and defensive categories. They just had a, a stellar team. They go all the way to the Super Bowl. They lose the Super Bowl, like 38 to 35, lose by three points in the Super yeah. Bowl. And, and one year later, after going 11, six, one year later and getting bounced from the playoffs, just like the Steelers did uh, with a slightly better record. Sirianni's job is in serious jeopardy right now. Like he he's very much at risk of losing his job because the ownership doesn't put up with failure when it comes to the postseason. It's why this franchise, this Eagles franchise, they got rid of Andy Reid, the great Andy Reid, who mm-hmm. is the second best coach that I've ever witnessed probably in my lifetime next to Belichick. They got rid of Andy Reid and two years later, they won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson because they knew that, that things were getting stale and they needed change. I feel like the fatal flaw of the Roonies is they always hold on to, to personnel, players, coaches, longer than they should. I, I think we saw this with Roethlisberger. I think we saw this with guys at the tail end of their careers that they give that one extra contract to that they probably didn't earn or deserve. They probably got paid based on their past production instead of what they were going to do in the future. And we're seeing it with the coaching staff as well. These the, Everybody, uh, the, they're loyal to a fault as in keeping keeping everybody around a little bit longer, just a little bit longer than they should. And in hindsight, it ends up saying, well, we probably shouldn't have done that. But I, I don't know. That That's kind of where I am about the whole Tomlin situation right now. I, I know, and and trust me, if you're a Tomlin supporter out there, I totally get it. I have been, and I am. I think you could do so much worse than Tomlin. It, it's kind of like the Matt Canada situation, right? Like the Steelers had coordinators. Uh, they, they, they weren't getting the job done. They make the switch and you can do worse. We saw it with Matt Cannon. You can do far worse at head coach than what you have done with Mike Tomlin. You could very well bottom out the next year. You could, you could go and be like the Patriots were this season at the same time. Can his philosophy for winning and just slapping duct, duct tape over this sinking ship, is that going to be good enough year after year with the, with the consistency that they do in free agency? Uh, is that going to be good enough? to get them over the hump. That's the issue with this situation. I think why it's really complicated because you have to, at some point ask yourself the question, not so much because this is where people get in trouble, right? This is where people get ridiculed on Twitter and you get laughed at is when you're like, he's a bad coach. He should be fired. Or like you get yeah. into that territory. It's like, okay, let's, let's back up for a second. The question is not about that. The question is, is he the correct coach for this team at this point in time moving forward? That does have debate-worthy conversations. You can debate that. Mm-hmm. If you're debating about whether he's a good football coach, you and I are not watching the same sport, right? We're not we're not having the same conversation, right? The, and then I think that's where people then they start fighting about. You know how it is, right? This is how it gets. But I do think it's very much a question if he's the right coach for this team moving forward. Now, I think more importantly is can you with him set up a infrastructure where 
some of the things that are holding this team back that he is responsible for, his general philosophy, his conservatism mm-hmm. in terms of you – now, he showed a little bit of life at the end of the season when things got hairy where he was a little bit more aggressive, so maybe he learned from that maybe at this point, and we'll find out. But can you find the balance of like – can he just coach this team and leave some more things up to others, right? Let Khan build him this roster and, and basically set him loose on it. Can he find an offensive coordinator in particular that can be his own guy and do whatever he feels is best offensively and let Tomlin handle everything else? Can he can they do these things? And can the Roonies tell him this? Can are they willing to say, listen, we think you're a good enough coach independently to be the coach for this team, but things around you have to be different. Your approach to certain things has to be different. And if he tells them it ain't gonna be different. Mm-hmm then yeah, he probably isn't the right coach then. Like that's where the conversation starts yeah. and ends is his, his willingness to mm-hmm. change the things that have not gone well. Yeah. And I think it's so important to have that conversation. I'm sure that yes. they will be having some variation Something. of that with the front office and, and with the Roonies, but I feel like the direction needs to change. Like if you're, if you're going to go in with the same philosophy for the nth year here and say, we're going to play conservative offense. We're going to take care of the football. We're going to play good defense. Uh, we're going to keep most of our coaching staff, all that kind of stuff that, that should not fly. I mean, yeah. and and I think that that's where I, I know that Tomlin has seniority over everybody there besides ownership. That's where I feel like even, even Khan and Weidel would have to voice up and then say, all right, yeah, what, this is not the direction that we're feeling right now. Like, but and Weidel came from, he came from the a Philadelphia Eagles organization yeah. that they did not tolerate the, the lack of postseason success, they would have undoubtedly made a change earlier than this. They did it with Andy Reid uh, when he they did it with Peterson too. They did it with Peterson like, after he won a Super Bowl. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. They, and they might do it again with Sirianni after he was this close to winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. So they don't tolerate that, but somehow it's worked out for them all the time because they're continually right back on the top. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about history because right. the Steelers have more Super Bowl wins now, going way I, back to the 70s. I also have to mention something with the Eagles is they do also have Howie Roseman as a GM. That really yes. helps. Having oh, yeah. that guy as your – but I'm just saying, like, in general, like, the coaching situation – and I wanted to throw about, throw this out about Sirianni, too, is, like, there's going to be conversations about him and, like, McCarthy and stuff like that. Like, wow, they're going to get – they might get fired. They, they were better than the Steelers this mm-hmm. year, and they've had more recent success than Steelers. It's like, yeah, however, I will say with McCarthy – he just has shown this ineptitude in specific things that Jerry Jones just isn't willing to deal with, I think, at this point. And then Sirianni, I would – I've made this joke with with friends and other people, but I would legitimately go to him and I'd be like, what is it that you do here? Like, what do you actually do? Because you lose your coordinators and all of a sudden we can't play football anymore, like halfway mm-hmm. through the year. So what do you do? Like, what? Like, that, that's the thing. Is yeah. with Sirianni, there's yeah. questions like, what does he do well, actually? Because – with him, like he's always been surrounded by all this talent of coaching, either behind somebody or or above them, and now it's like, okay, well, now they're mm-hmm. not here. What do you do? And I don't think Tomlin has the same problem, but it's it is funny that you know that's that's why he's going to lose his job if he does, is because he can't say what he does. He's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of that uh, episode of The Office where Ellie kind of just steps in there and is, yeah. is the boss now. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but no, it's uh, it. It is interesting because again, you the Eagles they lost Shane Steichen and he was obviously brilliant oh, uh, yeah. with, with the Colts. And so maybe that was the bigger reason yep. for their success. And Shane, this is why I've made the argument 
if I was a Lions fan, I, I honestly, I, I think that Dan Campbell's great. He's, I would want to make Ben Johnson my head coach. I really that's, would. I think it sucks to say that, right? Because he's, I think Campbell's I really good, but Johnson I know. is also really he's good. He's a super high energy guy, just a lot like Sirianni is. But yeah. I feel like if you get the guy that has that special niche, like that offensive, the play caller that has that special niche, I think those guys are extremely valuable. But sure. in, in fairness, Shane, I think we can almost go back to Tomlin and say, all right, you don't call the offense. I know you got a big hand in the defense. So are you in some ways a little bit like Sirianni, a little bit that way? Yeah. I don't know. I, the, what I will say about Tomlin, and he's very variable like in, in terms of you get your players to play and play yes. above expectation. And so yes. I think nobody's going to question him there at all. And Shane, I will, I will, I want to go on record saying this too, because I, I want people to be very clear that I think that Tomlin is a good coach and has, has been a good coach. Right. Yeah. I, right. I, I wrote an article depicting the three biggest reasons why the, that why Tomlin is too good to straight up fire. Like, I think yeah. that that should not be an option. You can't straight up fire the guy. He'll get a job instantly. Not that that's the reason why you shouldn't fire him because right, but it changes the, how you do it. Yes. How you go about it. But, yeah. but I do think that he is too good to simply fire. I think that if the Steelers were to make that change, I've been very clear that it needs to be either letting him step away. If that's what he decided to do or trading him mm -hmm. and getting capital out of the guy, because again, it's, 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 he's just too good to just cut ties with and not do that. There's so many factors this year. And I think it's going to be so fun to talk about because this particular hiring carousel for, for head coaches is phenomenal. Like it's it one of the best that I've seen. And so if that window did line up, Shane, where the stewards could say, all right, we're going to move on from Tomlin because there's Jim Harbaugh or because there's Ben Johnson, because there's Bobby Slowick, because there's Mike Vrabel. Like there are so many quality options that could be that next long-term guy for the Steelers. I would really like this year in particular, the way that it lines up. My fear is this Shane, if the Steelers say, all right, we're not going to re up you. We're going to let you play out the final year of your contract in 2024. They could go into a hiring circle next year and say, where's all the coaching candidates here? Well, I think we missed it by a year. And, and very similarly, I, I, I compare it to like the Steelers quarterback situation where they needed a quarterback. They took one in 2022 uh, with Pickett. If they would have waited a year, then you get CJ Stroud and, and Anthony Richardson. And so I, I really fear that that would be the situation that arises. Now, obviously guys can come out of nowhere and could be proved to be good candidates, but if they wait until next year, are they going to miss out on this this wonderful uh, coaching circle? I think it's totally possible because hiring cycles are very much high variance a lot of the time. Like who's available? Because sometimes you're you're a year early, or like a guy like Ben Johnson last year was interviewing, but he decided he wanted to run it back with the Lions, right? So that you yeah. don't get him. Or maybe Harbaugh decides he's going to go back to Michigan, and then he's gone for however many years and whatever else. Like obviously, Bill Belichick being on the market is also very weird. It's not a normal thing. Obviously, same thing with Rabel to a different degree. But I, I think, honestly, what they should do or what they should really be striving to do is try to find that up-and-coming offensive play caller type. Try to find that guy. Yeah. Bring him in under Tomlin. Make sure that he is kind of having the, the ability to just do whatever he feels is best with the offense and see – if he's a guy that does turn into a potential head coach candidate, because then maybe it is as much as Steelers fans hate for me to say this word promoting from within might actually work out in that situation. You might be able to say, yeah. Hey, Mike's going to step away or he's going to do whatever you already, he's already on the team. He knows the players. They, they like him. They'll know if, how, they, how the players feel about him. Maybe you just elevate him. You know, people were talking about that even with Flores, if they would have hung on to him, right? Like maybe you just elevate him after Tomlin's done. Like, 
I think that could be something that they want to try to do or that would be smart mm-hmm. to try to do the cycle. But it doesn't feel like that's going to be quite how they go about it, though. Yeah, just if you're going to do that, Shane, just don't get it from your own coaching tree. No, exactly. <laughs> like, someone, don't go get a retread like you know. Byron Leftwich or someone. I think that if you do that, like get a McDaniel understudy, get it, get a Kyle Shanahan understudy, one of those type of guys who could be the, the, the next innovative mind like that because I think that's your best chance at getting that Ben Johnson type guy where you could say, yeah, it would be, it would be wonderful to be able to go straight from Tomlin to that, like, like a lion situation where you've got a good coach in Dan Campbell, uh, but you could go to Ben Johnson. If you want to, not the lions are going to do that. They'll stick with Campbell and Ben Johnson's going to go elsewhere. Uh, but I, I do feel like in order for that philosophy to work, you can't just stick with what you have. Like you, you've got to go to the next thing. You've got to try to get that innovative mind. And I, I'm sure there's going to be so many thoughts in different avenues here that they could explore. And so I'll be super interested to see where this goes. Uh, all right. If you are a fan of Pittsburgh Steelers football and you would like to support the Steel Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Steel Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. All right, Shane, let's talk about the biggest offseason changes that the Steelers must make as we head into the 2024 offseason here. Uh, it doesn't look like there's one coming at head coach. I know a lot of fans were hoping for that. They think that uh, it needs to start at the top. Obviously, the Roonies aren't going anywhere. What's the next step down? It's Mike Tomlin. Uh, and I think that there's a case to be made there, right? You, you start at the top when you don't you don't have success in the postseason for this long. Why not start at the top? Um, Tomlin's not going anywhere by the looks of it, unless in the rare situation uh, where, where Art comes out and tells us that the Steelers have decided to move in a different direction despite Tomlin's wishes, something that we said all along, Tomlin's going to be able to dictate this situation. Yeah. Uh, so the next best thing, like Shane, what other moves need to be made by the Steelers this offseason uh, that are the most pressing to get this team back on track? So I'll start with coaching. I think that's a good place for us to start. We can kind of go back and forth on the coaching aspect, then we can talk about players, you know, needs, all that stuff. But coaching-wise, I think – there's one of two options I'd want them to go with in terms of offensive coordinator, not in terms of two different people, but two different avenues, right? The first avenue is you find somebody who is a proven play caller, somebody who has done it in the past and had good success. You know what to expect from them. It's a offense that is modern to some degree, at least that if you have a quarterback that can at least run it, you're going to have somewhat success. Cause we saw even with this offense with Mason Rudolph, when they just ran it properly, when he was making the right decisions, it was effective. Maybe not as effective as you still hope it to be because the big plays were a factor in that, that you're not going to get every week. But it was still much more effective than the version of the offense we had before that. Mm-hmm. Somebody in who has done this for before, who is really, you know, again, seasoned in this, and I think can stand up to Tomlin in certain situations saying, hey, you know, I don't want to be conservative in this situation. I want to do this. I want to do that. That would be really helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. The second option and something this kind of leans more into the potential of maybe a promotion down the road or whatever type of thing, or just somebody who is a little bit less known or a little bit less experienced, bring someone in who is a fresh offensive mind, bring someone from a Shanahan staff or a, you know, a McVay staff or whatever, someone who is young, upcoming, has the chops to call plays, but hasn't had that opportunity mm-hmm. yet, bring them in, let them run the show figure things out, see if you can get this offense rolling, you know, regardless of who's playing quarterback or whatever else. I think those are the two avenues. And I have some thoughts on guys, yeah. but that's kind of my thoughts there. Yeah, I think that you I think that you're right with that. And 
I think that going with the the seasons guy, it's it's a little bit more of a stable thing. You know yes. what you're getting with it. Right. The other one's a little bit more boomer bust. I would rather go the boomer bust route. Honestly, oh, no. yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather it work or it doesn't. And if it I doesn't, think, yeah. then we'll know. And if it does, then great. You might have your head yeah. next head coach candidate. The only issue, Shane, with this is you can't poach other teams as coordinators because they've already they're already in an equal position. So that there's no sense of. For example, like Ben Johnson moving from there no. uh, to Pittsburgh because he's already got that job and it's already working out well for him. So what you would have to do essentially is you'd have to, to poach somebody else's positional coach, co quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, running back coach, somebody's passing game coordinator. And, and those are basically your options. And so there's a lot of unknown. Like, I don't know how well, like how, how much connection uh, like the front office and Tomlin and these guys have with like these assistant coaches elsewhere. But I think that it's probably a worthwhile gamble. And if you're going to do that, like I said, do it with these offenses that have had tremendous success. Like, I, I feel like the, the, the best rule of thumb here can't go wrong with someone from the Shanahan tree, right? Like, if you're, if you're going to do it, look at how good Bobby Slowick's been already. Mike McDaniel, obviously. If you're going to do it, my and just not knowing, like, the specific, like, obviously, I don't know every positional coach of every team. Not knowing the specifics here, I would say your best bet probably go from one with the Shanahan tree that has had a top five offense for I don't know how many years in a row now. And so I, I just feel like that is probably the, my preference of the way to go rather than the retread guy that's bounced around with three or four different teams and has had success, uh, but might not be quite as, as innovative or fresh ideas as, as maybe some of the younger guys out there. Uh, apart from the coaching, to, well, let me ask you this first. Uh, does something need to be done on defense too? Like should Terrell Austin stick around next year? Was it good enough? I, I think that's, I know, I know there were a lot of injuries yeah. and holes this year. That, that's, that's the question. Um, real quick. I did want to mention just to throw, throw a few names out there as far as what I was thinking for the yeah. OC, depending on the thought process. Um, one that I've heard a lot and makes a lot of sense. Again, it's pulling from that unknown, but also from a tree that has had success consistently. Uh, Clint Kubiak, the passing game coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. Yes. Obviously, you recognize that last name probably, um, Kubiak, mm -hmm. you, if you're an NFL fan. But he, he's a guy, he's younger, 36. He's a passing game coordinator, like I said. He he obviously has, I'm sure, a good amount of say in that in that offense and has helped out with that offense, so that would make a lot of sense. Uh, as far as a veteran uh, offensive coordinator, a guy that I think is going to become available because of the, the coaching change most likely, Shane Waldron would make a lot of sense from the Seahawks. I think he's not going to probably get a head coaching job, at this point, I know that there's some some rumors about maybe him interviewing for some. I don't know if he actually has yet, but if he doesn't end up getting a job like that, right? He's a guy that has had pretty good success in his career with different quarterbacks, and he's been able to make that happen. So I think he'd make a lot of sense. Is a sort of retread, but not really. I mean, he is still not like this super super experienced guy. Like he has had several good seasons though as, as an offensive coordinator. So you know what you're getting. And then you mentioned it that this isn't really super likely, but I do wonder. If especially if he doesn't end up getting a head coaching offer, which I have seen some thoughts on this too, Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins, who does not call plays mm -hmm. right now, right? Like McDaniel is the play caller, of course, because he's the offensive head coach. I think guys like that, who if they're not getting the type of offers that they expect for as head coaches, or not getting the the run that they expect to get, sometimes it does make sense to go somewhere and call plays and prove that you can call mm -hmm. plays and have that be your niche as a as an offensive coach. That would make some sense if he's looking for that opportunity for sure. Yeah, and, and you you mentioned that like it's not impossible to make that switch, right. but it's it's about the Benjamins too. Yeah, it just depends. How, it just depends yeah, on the like situation. It, yeah, if he gets a pay raise and he yeah. has more flexibility and he can call his own stuff, I could see something like that happening because for he's sure. not he's he's not quite as young as some of these other guys out there. And I know everybody's going that 
that innovative uh, film junkie analytics guy. Ralph just talks these so days about and, him though. So they, they do. Like, and and, yeah. and I, I like him as a candidate a lot. I just, I feel like probably the most realistic one that's not, that would be actually getting a promotion. I love Kubiak. Like I yes. love the idea of taking the, a passing going, passing game coordinator of the team who has averages the most yards attempt like every single year, essentially, mm -hmm. and putting him on the Steelers. Like, and that would be phenomenal. Uh, but uh, let's talk about defense now, Shane. What were your thoughts on Terrell Lawson? Like, is, is he a guy that you thoroughly believe is going to have his job again next year? I think he will. And I think the issue is if you look at this defense as a whole, right, they had issues limiting yards. They had a lot of games where they're giving up a ton of yards. But in general, they were still great at limiting points, right? Like, ultimately, mm -hmm. as much as it's not necessarily an indicator of future success, if you can keep the other team out of the end zone, if you can keep them from scoring 20 points a game, which they managed to do just under that, you're probably doing enough right, right? And I think that you could yeah. argue that there's other guys that might be out there that would be a better fit. You could argue there's other coaches out there looking for an opportunity that might be more innovative than him. But I think because Tomlin is the defensive guy and he does have a hand in things, I think it matters less than maybe a team that doesn't have that situation, right, where – Tomlin is still going to have a lot to say with the defense. And if you have a guy that works well with him and you have, you can shore up some of the stuff that they had issues with. And more importantly, just get guys back healthy in the middle, especially like that middle of the defense, when it was healthy, it was, it was pretty good. They, they managed to do things pretty well. So I think it's more about health, getting these guys back together and just filling in some holes that they still have in the secondary. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see him going anywhere either. Yeah. And I, I think that if he had theoretically more to work with this year if, if Holcomb and Quan didn't get injured mm -hmm. uh if they go out and get him a corner maybe next year I forbid we have more than one corner on the roster the one they had the whole year instead of waiting for if like you played the one you had so yeah. wait until like week seven after the buy or whatever to yeah, play so. in over Levi Wallace which is yeah. insane but Still but yeah I, I feel like a a bit more hole patching maybe on, on the defense and you could get a better sample I mean the Steelers allowed just over 19 points a game uh this year and they were top 10 in DVOA and EPA on defense so I don't mm -hmm. see a change being made there I think it's much more likely to happen on offense. And I am, I got to say, I am a little bit concerned that will the Steelers, it would not be out of the norm for them. Will they just keep uh, Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan and say, Hey, I don't even, I almost don't even want to, I almost don't even want to talk about it. Tommy. I don't like, even want to entertain it right now because it's just yeah, too realistic. If, it, if, if he comes out and says that those two are going to be joint offensive coordinators next year, I can already just book the, the 10 wins and go home. I don't have to worry about like They'll just win 10 games again uh, and they won't win a playoff game. And it'll just be like, because again, there's yeah. things you can change. And that's what we're mm -hmm. going to be. That's really what this offseason is going to be about is seeing what they change and what things we want to see them change. There's ways to make this situation completely flip on its head. There are avenues to do that, but they have to be willing to mm -hmm. do it. And they haven't given me any real reason Outside of Khan and Weidel getting more involved, and, and you could tell their stamp on the draft classes and stuff. Outside of that, like I haven't given they yeah. haven't given me enough reason to believe that's going to happen. Oh, I know, and that that's the part that's a little bit concerning too. And again, it's not that Faulkner and, and Sullivan can't be good in their roles, but if you're just going with that, running with that four game sample basically, uh, and saying, yeah, this is what we need. This is this is good enough. We're going to come back next year. I mean, I think the one change if, if if it's not Tomlin it doesn't look like it's going to be the one change that fans should be rooting for this offseason with the Steelers is a new innovative offensive coordinator yes, one that's absolutely. going to completely revamp that and not take any of Matt Canada's old old playbook or anything that way bring in yeah. their own ideas I, I think that that is the one thing that that all fans collectively should be rooting for 
uh, even with the the somewhat success they had down the stretch. I, I think that, and this is what worried me. And I want to give one more thought on this, Shane, because people will ask, well, why not Faulkner and, and Sullivan? They did good enough. I think it, you give this a few more games to play out. I think teams would have been onto them very fast. It's not like their passing concepts were anything fancy. There weren't any pick rubs, that kind of stuff that gets that are engineered to get players open. Uh, it was better than what Canada did, but it was still sure. a variation of that. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I think they would have figured out the quarterback really fast too. I think given a few more games, they would have figured out Mason Rudolph. They would have figured out a way to slow him down and the, and the offense would have come plummeting back down to earth again. And so I, I do think that you need that change. Uh, we, we won't get into players and stuff right now because our, our, it's a long yeah. show anyway. We're going to be talking about guys that need to cut probably uh, by next week. So let's get into this. Uh, before, do you have anything else that you want to say about that, Shane? Uh, no, I think, again, like is this really the biggest change that is likely that we know is coming in some way, shape, or form, probably, again, I'll, I'll say probably, is the offensive coaching. Yeah. Like what direction do they go? That really matters more than probably anything else that they do this offseason. Yeah, it really does. And, and it'll be just such a, a punch in the gut. I feel like if they don't make that change, it's just same old, same old with the Steelers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so, so we'll, we'll try to think positive thoughts until then. Uh, all right, Shane, before we sign off uh, for today's episode, let's give our predictions for the divisional round of the playoffs. I know it stinks. that The Steelers have been eliminated, uh, but we got a fun weekend of football coming up. I mean, if you're a fan of just general NFL football and playoff football, these are some exciting games here on the slate. So Shane, I want to start, we'll go one game at a time uh, and we'll start in chronological order here. And so uh, 430 on Saturday, this is Eastern time. We're talking about here. The Texans will be playing in Baltimore at the Ravens. We saw this game play out earlier in the season. I think it was like a 20 to six game in favor of Baltimore. If I recall off the top of my head, Uh, CJ Stroud is on fire though. I mean like him and like Jordan love, they're like the two stars in the making here in the NFL this year. Is it going to be enough? Like, what are your predictions for, for Texans Ravens on Saturday? So every bit of my soul wants me to pick the Texans for like obvious reasons. They are hot right now. The Ravens haven't played in quite some time, uh, specifically their starters, thanks to not needing to beat us the last yep. week of the year. Um, and I feel like it's going to take a little bit to get going. It generally does. However, this Ravens team – Despite the fact that we're we're two and zero against them this year, one of them is not so you know fair to say, but still, they are they are really good. Like they are especially defensively. I mean, obviously yeah. Lamar's going to win MVP, and like the offense has been great and all that. That defense, I don't think they're going to throw up a, a, a they're going to lay an egg like the Browns did. Right now, the Browns defense mm-hmm. they just didn't cover people. Like I don't know what that was about. That's still trying to figure that one out. Um, but I don't think the Ravens are going to have that same problem. Now, does that mean that they can't beat them still? No, but I think that the Ravens will do enough to get this done, and Stroud will play very well and continue to cement himself as already a top-10 quarterback in the NFL, I think pretty easily in my opinion. But it's not going to be enough this year, I don't think. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm rooting for the upset. I'm rooting for CJ Stroud. Yeah. I think that he's he's a pretty cool guy, and and, and I'm just excited about his, his story. It sucks yes. that there's another – awesome quarterback in the AFC for the next 15 years, but yeah, tell me uh, I, I would love to see that play out as well. And, and there's a possibility of it just because, I mean, anytime you rest your starters for two straight weeks, you could yeah. have a little rust that you got to shake off early on here. And so it's going to depend on how this game goes early, I think for the Texans, but the Ravens are just a powerhouse team. I yeah, mean, they, they pulverized tough. the 49ers this year. And so uh, I, I think that, uh, I, I think that Baltimore takes this one as well uh, in that, 
early game here in the divisional round. All right, uh, Saturday night, Shane, we've got the 49ers hosting the Packers. I'm excited about this one. I know it's a it's the NFC game, uh, but we just saw it's just remarkable. Like so many traces of Aaron Rodgers in what Jordan Love did this past week against the Cowboys and what he's been doing for the whole second half of the season here. Uh, is it possible to, to get a big upset? I think they're nine and a half point underdogs last I looked. And so it'd be a big upset over one of the most well-balanced teams in the league in San Francisco. Yeah. So as a Jordan Love truther myself, um, someone who always, has always believed in his talent going back to the draft, this has definitely been fun to watch down the stretch here. Um, and I think that he's figured things out fully. I think the stuff he's doing off platform, the throws, like you said, so much of it is reminiscent of Rodgers. And I, I think that it really is scary for the rest of the league. The, the Packers can't keep getting away with this, right? Like we won't talk about the coaching, yeah. the coaching consistency of the Steelers, which is awesome. But like the, the Packers yeah. quarterback consistency might be even more impressive considering right. it's a player situation, right? Like I just, I don't know how they keep getting away with it, but good for them. Uh, as far as this game though, the, the Niners, the problem with it is Jordan Love could put up 35 and they probably still won't win because the Niners offense against Joe Barry's defense might as well be me trying to go out there and cover people. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just how it is. And the Packers will say, Oh, well, you know, the first, for the first three quarters, we really held the Cowboys up. Yeah. It's different, different thing. Like I understand the Cowboys offense was technically the best in the league this year in terms of points and stuff. It was they're They're not the same, right? This is a different Mm -hmm. type of, this offense is much less susceptible to just weird, bad games. Right. And granted, their quarterback could do it. He's already done it against the Ravens and, and and everything. But I have a feeling they they know how to play this team. They know what to expect offensively, defensively, and it's uh it's it could be fun, could be a close ish game. But I have to favor the Niners pretty easily. Yeah, the Niners just have a lot more talent still they than do. what the Packers do, and I like a lot of the players on Green Bay. But this is it's not really close in, in terms of the yeah. talent gap between these two. And so I I agree. I think if Brock Purdy does show up, and I would expect him to. He won't uh, have to do that game. much, honestly. That's the thing. He won't it. have to. That, that's the thing. He, he, he honestly probably won't. And Jordan Love is going to ask be asked to do significantly he's, more. Yeah, he's going to be just uh, trying to trade blows, and it's going to be tough. Yeah, it will be. I, I'm kind of hoping for one of those shootout games. Like, I oh, love it. Sure. I love it for to sure. be like a back and forth affair here. I can here, see but that. I, can see that. I, I agree. I've, I I don't think the upset's going to happen. I'm I'm pulling for the Packers. I think that that would be a great uh, story, and I want to see another great quarterback in the NFC. Oh, like, yeah. I need more of those. Over we really there. need more of those. So. Uh, but I think the 49ers pull this one out. All right, let's move on to Sunday. Uh, we got the Buccaneers at the Lions here. I don't know if anybody would have expected uh, this playoff matchup, especially knowing that uh, the, the the monumental collapse the Eagles had down the stretch here, uh, which which made this matchup possible to begin with. But now we've got Baker Mayfield against Jared Goff. Uh, it, it, is this where the the, the Bucks uh, luck runs out here? I want to say yes, but like something about it makes me want to say the Bucks can do this. <laughs> like, I don't really know because the problem is you can't gain any, you don't gain any knowledge from the Eagles game because the Eagles are just so yeah. in the dirt. Like, yeah, they were so down. Bad. Like it was so bad that you don't know what to make of the defensive performance by the, the Bucks because like you give up nine points to the Eagles. Sounds great. But the Lions offense mm. is different, right? Like this is an offense that actually works properly. And I have a hard time thinking anyone on that team can cover a or St. Brown. Like I, I, that's, that's my mm. biggest problem is like, you might be able to deal with Laporta with the help of the safeties. You might be able to shut the run down because you have a, a beefy defensive front. 
I don't know if you can cover him specifically. And I think that might be enough because I think the, the Lions defense has its issues, but they made some key plays in the in the game against the Rams, against an offense that is much better than the Bucs offense, even though the Bucs offense has been good. I think the Bucs run game is just not good enough to make to be a threat to kind of give that balance, right? So to kind of help out Mayfield. So I'll I'll take the Lions, but closer than maybe people think. I think it will be a very close game. Yeah, I can see this one being the potentially the closest of the group. And and yeah. Baker's coming off of a good game. I mean, that guy is energized and oh, he yeah. is not afraid to sling it. And so I do like watching his game. Uh, I, I do think, though, that the Lions are, are more talented. They're more well-rounded. Uh, I think that their play calling is awesome. And I think that they're I think that they're probably going to to get this one by a score. And so uh, that brings us to. The final game, and this is the one that I'm I, I'm most interested in watching. Honestly, it's it, you get a, an amazing quarterback matchup. The Chiefs at the Bills. This game two years ago in the playoffs was the best playoff oh, offensive yeah. performance I've ever seen, and probably maybe the most entertaining game that I've ever watched before. Just the back and forth, back and forth, and it being like forty-two to thirty-six or something like Whatever that. It was, it was crazy, yeah. and so so many scores right at the end of the game and in overtime. And uh, you obviously have two of the best quarterbacks in the league. Bills are red hot right now. The The Chiefs are the Chiefs, and they got Patrick Mahomes. How do you think this one plays out? Uh, so I just want to throw this out there. This is the first road playoff game that Patrick Mahomes has ever played in, which is so stupid yes. because he's been in the playoffs every year of his career, including the year he didn't even play. And I, again, it just sounds stupid. You know, obviously Super Bowls are not are not home or road, so it's different. But like he's been either at Arrowhead or the Super Bowl in his entire career. Um, I will say this Chiefs team is different. And I think in both good and bad ways, right? The offense is a shell of itself compared to it was even last year and the years before. Mostly because only two people on the team can ever catch the ball at the same time, right? Like that's really all they have going for them is two guys of the whatever amount they have can catch mm-hmm. the ball. The other guys can't that week. Right. Um, that has to be different. And I think the defense though is the best we've seen in the Mahomes era. That's the, the, the crux of the issue here is I think the bills are more balanced because their offense is very, very good. And the defense has stepped up in the last mm-hmm. like, month and a half or so. However, it is still Mahomes. He's probably going to make, make something happen despite his team trying not to let him do it sometimes. And I think it's going to be really close. The Bills being at home does make this a little bit yeah. different because I don't know how Mahomes plays on the road of the playoffs because he's never done it. I don't know if it makes a difference to him. Um, I'm still I'm going to pick the Bills, but by like three points. Like this is this could easily right. go down to the wire just because of the talent on both teams. Yeah, if this game was played in Arrowhead, I would confidently pick the Chiefs. I yeah, think. they'd figure out something. Yeah, but I'm gonna still pick the Chiefs anyway. And I, just I don't blame think, you. I don't. Patrick blame Mahomes you. is 12 and three in the playoffs, and yeah, even if you look at that that Ice Bowl game they played against the Dolphins, I thought Mahomes played a good game. I mean, there was everything. Big drop passes. Yeah, I mean that that's throws throwing a frozen football and. Hey, the weather conditions aren't going to be any worse for this, I wouldn't believe. And so no, no. Uh, it, I, I do think that the Bills definitely get an edge here with this home game. And again, the, this largely, let's be honest, it'll come down to which Josh Allen we're getting for this game. It too. really does. So yeah, it really is it does. the one that's going to throw three picks or is it the one that that's going to be the guy that went toe to toe with them uh, like they did the last time around? And it was the Chiefs that came out. But uh, I, I hope it's one of those type of games and not like their their earlier matchup that we saw. So uh, I am taking the Chiefs. I do think it'll be a one-score game, um, and we'll see 
how Mahomes looks in his, in his first ever playoff game. But I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes we're talking about here. And so he has the capability. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the show. If you were live with us, uh, we go live every single Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time, most Tuesdays as well, mm -hmm. uh, with a show that Shane uh, 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 holds up for here uh, as well. And so uh, if you'd like to catch both of those shows, 1.30, both days, uh, thank you for joining us today on the show. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. And thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast.